Good morning, everybody. To those sitting right here and those who are far away, I wouldn't be surprised if um, there are some people watching this, following this service from Australia or USA. Right now it's night time, so they're not at work anyway. It's good to be here. I think all of us are glad that we're able to worship in one way or another. For those of us who are here, it's good to be able to see one another. And for those who are, not, who are following online, also know that we can still worship God wherever we are. Because God is the God of heaven and earth throughout the world. But when I look at the congregation, um, we are all reminded that everything is not the same anymore. If anything, we all have to wear masks. At first, we thought that we don't need to wear a mask so long as we're five, six feet away. But we know that the aerosol from our breath and our speech can spread. And so all of us need to wear masks. And it's a little inconvenient, isn't it? For people like me with a very sensitive nose, the nose gets irritated after a while and I need to I might have to pause and blow my nose before I can carry on. But nevertheless, we are in the house of God, but we are in the presence of God wherever we are, and we can rejoice and give thanks. So let us pray. Father God, we give you thanks that you are the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven and earth, and you warn our hearts, you warn our minds. You want to have us for yours alone. Open our hearts and our minds to worship you now. Speak to us. Speak to all of us and guide us that we may be led deeper into your truth, into your love, into your light. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I ask your pastor Shun what, what I should preach on today, he said, well, as a church, we are reading through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, Haggai and Zechariah for this past week. I'm not going to ask who did or who did not. But if you did, I'm glad. Because for many of us as Christians, we tend to avoid these not-so-exciting books, right? Not many interesting stories in there. We miss out on some of these prophets, and so miss out on some of the valuable lessons God has for us. Because every word in the Bible is the Word of God. I mean to read, to know what He's telling us, so that we may know Him better. But since I was going to be here for just this one time, I thought it would be best if I choose the short book, and that's Haggai. So for today, I have three points that I want to make. Haggai among the prophets, at least basically the post-exilic prophets. And then Haggai's message from God. Haggai speaks from God. And then the third point is 
the hair guys as a messenger, not just of God's word, but of God's promises, and to remind the people that there's always hope. Haggai among the prophets. It is important for us to read the Bible in the context of history and also geography, and we need to do our homework whenever we do Bible studies. And to look in this case, in Haggai's case, to locate when in time did this record take place. So I'm going to start with two bits of historical background. The first one is, as you, as you can see on the screen, is Haggai's relationship to the other prophets like Zechariah and also to Ezra and Nehemiah. In our Bible, of course, it's a little confusing because Ezra and Nehemiah comes up the Chronicles, which comes up Kings, right in the first part before Job and the Psalms. Whereas Haggai, Zechariah, and together Malachi are the last three books in the Old Testament. But you should be able to flip back and forth and read that. And I will also encourage you, once you get the bug, to read Daniel and Ezekiel also. Now, Babylon fell in the year 539, and we read about that in Daniel. And that started the rise of the Persian Empire, and Darius the Mede was made king. But together with Darius is King Cyrus. They're still not clear about exactly the relationship with Darius and, and Cyrus. I suspect that Cyrus will be the king of Persia, and Darius appointed the Mede to be appointed to be king over Babylon. But um, scholars need to sort that out yet. Because Cyrus was king of Persia from 539 to 530. Now, then you need to note that the first year, the following year, as far as our calendar is concerned, 538, Zerubbabel led the first return to Jerusalem, and then they started rebuilding the temple. You may want to also remember that, in fact, Daniel's last vision recorded in Daniel chapter 10 was in the third year of Cyrus. So Daniel lived through the whole that they were in exile. Amazing story. Now, then we also read that the next thing is in 522 to 486. The next slide, please. Darius the first. And that was the time when Haggai and Zechariah ministered to the people. And the building of the temple resumed, and the building was completed four and a half years later, three and a half years later, in 515. Okay. Then much later, we read in that Ezra and Nehemiah came to the scene almost what, 67 years later. It's important for us to keep track of this. Otherwise, you get very confused when we read these different books. And of course, the temple was completed in 515, but Nehemiah was responsible for having the city walls of Jerusalem rebuilt. Okay? 
Now, the second bit of information I want to share with you is even more interesting. And I would encourage you to read the New Living Translation for this section. The reason is simply this. As we look through the records as the Bible scholars study through the records and look in all the Babylonian records, the Persian records, which one got on clay tablets, by the way, and of course they don't deteriorate, not like our paper. So after so many, almost 2,500 years, we can still have the records. What we, was needed was for the scholars to decipher the writing. And so, when we read the NLT, this is what we have. Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. I'll read that to you. On August 29, which is a few days from time, in the second year of King Darius' reign, which is 520 BC, the Lord gave a message to the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. And our NIV says the first day of the sixth month. Then you come to verse 14 and 15. The Lord sparked enthusiasm, although the NIV says spirit of Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the whole remnant of God's people. I want you to note that. And they began, came and began their work on the house of the Lord Almighty. And this was on September 21st, which is three weeks after the first prophecy. Then again on chapter 2, verse 1. Then on October 17 of the same year, the Lord sent another message to the prophet Haggai. 21st day of the seventh month. Haggai verse, chapter 2, verse 10. On December 18, and then verses 20 and 21, the Lord sent his second message to Haggai on December 18, the same day. And we read actually in Ezra that the temple was completed on March 12, in the sixth year of the King Darius' reign, the third day in the month of Adar. What is important for us to note is simply this. The amazing correlation between the ancient calendar and our modern dating. The next slide, please. Now you can, you can copy the slide later on if you want, but this information is all available. What I want to emphasize is simply this. The Bible, including the Old Testament, is based on real verifiable records. Historically and factually accurate. And in these, in these days of fake news and conspiracy theories, we need to remember that the Word of God, the Bible that we have received, that we have inherited, is based on God's Word. So I hope you will be able to keep this in mind as you read through these passages, these books again. The second thing, Haggai speaks from God 
to the people, to the leaders and to the people. And we need to ask ourselves, what was Haggai's prophecy about? Several names are mentioned, human names. Haggai, there was Darius, there was Zerubbabel, there was Joshua or Joshua. But the main character in this short book was God himself. Haggai has only two chapters. You can read it in less than five minutes with 38 verses. The name of God, the Lord or Yahweh, appears 32 times. And the title, the Lord Almighty, or in the old translation, the Lord Sabaoth, which means the Lord of hosts, appears 12 times. The reference, the basis, always on God, the Almighty. God was and is in control. He is always in charge. It's a reminder that he is directly involved in the affairs of his people. And that's because he is directly involved in the affairs of all the whole world. And we need to remind ourselves of this again and again. I mean, frank fact is, we look at our country, we tend to get very discouraged. We look at the mass, the so-called big, greatest nation in the world right now, USA, the whole COVID pandemic is a mess. And we can tend to get very discouraged. When we look at ourselves, we look at our resources, we look at human beings. And we have to remind ourselves that God is in charge. God was in charge in the past, he's still in charge, and he will be in charge in the future, no matter what happens. He is in control because he is the Lord of the whole earth. It's mentioned in verse 10 of chapter 1, also in chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 21. Haggai emphasizes that. So what do we have? We find that as you look through the slide, that Haggai spoke, or rather God spoke to Haggai, over a period of four months. And Haggai is one of those people who keep records. The prophets are like all of us, isn't it? Some of us keep very careful records of everything and every detail. And some of us, you ask them, where your record? They don't know, somewhere. <laughs> Some of the prophets are like that. Some prophets, we don't know what the records are, okay? But Haggai kept very good records. His message was to a people who were depressed, who were defeated, defiled, that returned from Jerusalem exile, even though it was after 18 years. And in recent history, we know about the Vietnamese refugees that, were, that arrived here in the 70s. And even now, many refugees have come to Malaysia. The Rohingyas are refugees, forced out of the land. And they are depressed. They were discouraged. They were totally powerless and they believed that they were helpless. They lack resources. They lack influence. They lack power. Or what we say, clout, isn't it? They have no hope. And God was saying to them, you are poor, you are struggling, you are barely scratching a living. 
But you got to ask yourself, what are your priorities? The one main reason you came back from Babylon, came back from exile to return to Israel, to the promised land, to Jerusalem, was to build the temple to the Lord. After 18 years, where is it now? What do we see? Now, of course, as we read the records, we know that they had actually started build, rebuilding. But as they tried to do it, they faced all kinds of oppositions. They were oppressed. And so they stopped. And you read that very clearly in Ezra. And after 15 years, they have not done nothing. You are still thinking of yourself only. You are still thinking of your family only. And the Lord makes it so obvious, isn't it, in verse 1 of chapter 4? Is it time for you yourself to be living in your panel houses? You have time to make your fancy houses nice, comfortable, while the house of the Lord remains in ruins. They've forgotten. Where are your priorities? You have forgotten to honor the Lord your God, and you expect Him to bless you? You long for the promises? You long for the wonderful things that the Lord did to your forefathers many, many years ago when He brought them out of Egypt? You see, you think, you thought that you are helpless and powerless, and that's because you have forgotten me, the Lord God of the whole earth. Are we like that sometimes? So how are you honoring the Lord? You expect Him to bless you and answer all your prayers. You forgot that you were called to be my people and bring honor to my name. You don't even try to worship me properly. You don't have a temple. You don't have a proper place for worship. And there was a message that God sent to Haggai. And of course, there was also a message through Zechariah. And we read that in verse 14, that God stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, he stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the priest, the governor, and the priest. But he also stirred up the spirit of the people. And they were convicted. The leaders were convicted. And they led the people to commit themselves to rebuild the temple. It's important to remember that. God was at work among them. God was watching over them. In the leaders among all the people. And so they started and planned to do work. It took them three weeks to get ready and then to rebuild the temple, as we read in chapter 15. It took them another three months before they could re relay the foundation of the temple. But nevertheless, they did. And of course, later on, we read that it took them about three and a half years to finish building the temple. God was challenging them. 
that you got to set your priorities right. You are my people, honor me, obey me, follow me, trust me. And besides it, because the people did, God sent them his promises. And that's the third point that we, we look at. Haggai is a messenger of God's promises. What do we find? As you look at chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, God promised to send them his blessings. They did not have enough. Now they have abundance. God will restore them. Verses 20 to 22. And God promised them of a future glory. God says, I will take my servant, Zerubbabel, I will make you my signet ring, that is my authority, my stamp, as it were, for I have chosen you. But we know that this refers to the promise of the coming Messiah, which will take another 500 years before it will be fulfilled. But as we look through this book of Haggai, we recognize that the message in Haggai, in Zechariah, in Ezra, and Nehemiah has one common theme. That God, the Lord God Almighty, the God of heaven and earth, is sovereign. He is in control. He has always been in control. He is in control of everything that happens. But we also read another thing, as we read carefully, that God is also God the Father. Good, loving, gracious, and compassionate. You recognize of God, God gave them his promises. <coughs> not after they finished the temple, not even after they finished the foundation, but they started work because they were doing the right thing. The intention of their hearts. And all we read, therefore, is a clear reference that God is good and gracious, compassion and loving. And this is a clear reminder that the God that they worship, <coughs> that the God that they serve, is the same God of their forefathers. Again, at times like this, we now go back to the beginning, to Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, when God reveals his character to Moses. Exodus 34, verse 6, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Friends, this is the God that Moses served. This is the God that Haggai and his compatriots served. And this is the same God that we serve today. Don't ever forget that. Having said this, I want now to, us to look briefly at the passage 
in chapter 2 from verse 10 to 17. I'm sure many of you will scratch your head at what is God trying to tell the people to Haggai. We won't have time to go into details. We will do a careful study on that. But I believe this is what God was telling them. Just because you think that you belong to God, you are God's people. And because of that, He will definitely bless you. No matter what you do, He will always bless you in your work, in your life. <coughs> no, God was saying, if you are truly holy, <coughs> if you truly belong to me, you are to be consecrated to me, set apart as holy. Your life and your work will only be truly holy if everything you do is consecrated to the Lord and to his will. And you seek to do everything according to his word and according to his will. <coughs> Just because you are in the world doesn't make you a witness. You are in the world, but you've got to live holy life do your work as consecrated God, your work, your life, your words, and everything you do is meant to be a witness and the testimony to God's love. If you do this in accordance to my word, in obedience to my will, you will see my blessings. Not according to expectation, not according to your hopes and dreams, but according to my plan and purpose for you. Friends, we need to remind it, remember that. Many Christians throughout the world today forget that God is a holy and righteous God, seeking truth, justice. He is not an indulgent grandfather who will bless you and give you good things, whatever you do. We are to do his will. We are to seek him as his servants. We are to live to honor him as his children. And you read the Malachi. We are not the one to tell him what is good and what is right. We are not the one to tell him what we want. He is in charge, not us. He is Lord. And we are his creation. So remember this. God will not protect you from COVID simply because you are Christian, simply because you say so, or other people say so. God will not make us rich because some pastors teach us that. Trust Him totally and wholeheartedly. It's a constant struggle, isn't it? But we have a God that does not fail us, and we can trust Him. So let Him direct us in everything we seek to do, and then we'll find that whatever we do, we will have success. Why? Because what we do is exactly according to his will. And just as Jesus said, the son does nothing of himself. Everything he does is according to the father's will. When we learn to do that, you'll find that whatever we do, we will succeed and accomplish. He is always teaching us, his people, what to do and how to live. He is always willing to tell us that when we are wrong and warn us and rebuke us, 
and correct us and guide us. As Second Timothy chapter 3 reminds us, isn't it? So friends, when we read through Haggai and the prophets, when we look at the world, what we need to do is always remember to look to God. Never lose sight of Him. Never lose sight of what He's telling us. And that's why we need to read the Bible and know His Word. And so to learn to trust Him, to depend on Him, to long to know Him better, no matter how uncertain the future may look to us. How long is this COVID pandemic going to last? We do not know. I think Penang, we're hoping that we will never have any more positive cases, isn't it? And then our dreams were shattered a couple of weeks ago. We hope that it will be passed very soon, but we don't know. The director who just said that, hopefully in less than two years, that is his best estimate as a scientist, as a doctor, but we never know. But God knows. While we want to hope in the predictions, we must always hope in God. And we learn to trust Him in good times, in bad times, in hard times and easy times. And still wear your mask wherever you go. Let us pray. Father God, you are God. You are sovereign. You are in control. But you love us. You are good. You are gracious. If we can trust you as a loving father, not an indulgent father or grandfather, but a God who is good and holy, a God who is love and who is just, and you care for every one of us. You care for your people. You care for your church. But we know that you care for this country, Malaysia. You care for the whole world. Guide us day by day that we may bear witness to your glory, to your love, to your salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.